Summer is here, and Safeway's Flavor Adventure Digital Game is back. Hey, it's Francesca, and you can play in your Safeway app through August 1st for a chance to win weekly cash prize drawings, gift cards, exclusive coupons, and more. Earn extra game plays and sweepstakes entries for every $10 spent using your Safeway for You account. Start your adventure today in the Safeway app. No purchase necessary. Rules and restrictions apply. Play, win, save at Safeway, your favorite local supermarket. You're getting a diploma. You can't eat a diploma, but you can eat wings at Charlie's. Get 23% off any order of 30 or 50-piece wings when you use promo code 23GRAD at charlies.com. That's promo code 23GRAD at charlies.com. Charlie's has wings. Welcome everyone into Garden the Doom and this episode we are interviewing Rex Bundy and Rex is both a Kabbalist and a teacher from Southern Indiana. He's written a book called Who Do Men Say That I Am? Um, and it includes the one tree. I will say that it's actually two books in one. One half is sort of like historical biblical fiction uh, in the in the vein of a uh, Steve Barry or Dan Brown, though not quite as uh, fantastical as as Dan Brown's. Um, though maybe it is. I don't know. Um, who knows what it, what we'd flush out if he turned it into a, a freestanding novel? But then the the second. The, the second half is uh, more philosophy. I'm hearing a bit of an echo of myself in the back there. I don't know if there's something you can do about it on your end. It's, it's gone away, whatever it is. Never mind. Um, 
And this, the second half is more about philosophy, and it's they're both very interesting. So without further ado, um, Mr. Bundy, thank you for joining us, and, and please correct or embellish on any uh, introduction. No, that's fine, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. You have to say, I really enjoyed the book, uh, uh, both halves of it. Uh, but as we were talking pre-production... Um, you know, I, I think that there's a bestseller in the first half. You just have to, you know, make it longer to, to, to be something. But uh, wh- why don't you tell us a little bit about what was your inspiration in writing the book? Because obviously, this, I mean, it was a fairly complex story, which you, you put together in a fairly short amount of, of pages, nice economy of language. But obviously, there was something that you were trying to get across. Well, the idea is that... Um we, we exist in, in, in a time where history is revised. Um, it, it, it's, it's been said that uh, history is written by the victor. And uh, in, in this case, that's absolutely true. Uh, the, the victor, in this case, being the, uh, the Roman church, which really had nothing to do with uh, whatever movement Yeshua was trying to uh, established, it, even it, if it even was a, a movement, uh, you might have just been there to teach um, the twelve people and, and let them go on their way. Um, we don't know what his ambitions were, if he had any. We'll never know. And um, Christianity uh, is necessary. Everything that it exists is necessary, but uh, it's it's necessary for the wrong reasons. And for people who are uh, spiritually hungry, uh, Christianity can be uh, a blockage in their intestines Mm. (laughs) Uh, to keep them from digesting other points of view or other philosophies. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically basically the 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 first half of the book or or the the biblical narration was to. Ask what if, what if? Start thinking, decide for yourself. Yeah, I don't know if we should if we should start with the the fiction, which is yeah, obviously fun. Of we should go to the the second half, which was the philosophy. Um, I think maybe it would help the audience to start with the philosophy and sort of go and then get back into the into the book and sort of maybe cross reference a bit as to what what impacts what. Um, but I mean, obviously, you're a student of Kabbalah. Uh, I, I d- does that now? Did you do that independently, or did you do it under the training of something rabbinical? Well, it started out being under the auspice of um, Hermetic, um, the, the Hermetic branch of, of um, magic. Um, I, I was a ceremonial music, uh, magician. Um, along the lines of the Golden Dawn for many years. And uh, the the problem with staying with that, the problem with staying with any uh, point of view is that, you know, once you've you've gotten what you need out of it, religions are, to me, signposts that are pointing the way um, towards enlightenment. And... It, it's like a ladder. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get biblical, but it's like a ladder going up to the window of the beloved. Once you climb that ladder and you're over the windowsill, you don't drag the, the, the ladder in with you. Right. 
it served its purpose. You leave it behind, you move on. Um, I've, I've moved on from Kabbalah. I've moved on from Christianity, Buddhism, um, any other ism. I, I, uh, I don't know if there's a next step, but at this stage in my life, I consider myself enlightened. Hmm. All right. Did you uh, so? Did you study the Zohar and the other associated books? The Zohar is the only name I know. <laughs> ah, yeah, the Sefer Yetzirah. It, it was my main source of income, but uh, the Zohar, uh, yes. Okay. Do we know who, who wrote that? Was it was it the the Spanish rabbi, like in like a year eleven hundred something like that? Well, um, they they attributed to. Um, the people who study the copies that they've found and, and, and trace it back that, that way, you know, this is the oldest copy we have. So this, you know, it must have been started around this time. Um, the actual Kabbalistic tradition says that the, uh, uh, the books of Zohar and Sefer uh, Yetzirah uh, were uh, dictated to Abraham by Enoch who received it from angelic sources. Um, so uh, who's, who's to say how far back it goes? Did Enoch and Abraham uh, overlap in, in their existence? I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't uh, think but, so either. I thought Enoch had uh, was joined to God, ascended uh, before pre, pre-Abraham, like way before Abraham. Yes. Yeah, uh, but uh, the, the teaching that he passed on, um, eventually ended up with Abraham. And, um, and, and, and it's, not re- it's not really ascribed to Enoch, it's just assumed that it began there because he had supposedly a direct contact with angelic forces. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the Kabbalah itself um, stems from Abraham. Yeah, Enoch is a really mysterious figure in there because he, you know, he had that that role in, you know, in in Genesis where he lived for what something like 366 years or 365 and then it, it everyone else died except him. The wording is different. He he was taken by God or, or something like that. And you know, and then there's the book of Enoch which, you know, was is one of the prime sources for the the war of the angels and the fall of uh, you know, the 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 uh um, the, the rebelling angels, which, you know, a lot of people talk about Lucifer and Satan, but n- neither one of them was r- really mentioned I- in that, to my knowledge. And in fact, I think there were seven princes of hell and none of which were named Lucifer. One was named Satan, but he was only one of seven. Anyway, not, not to get on that, but, um, a lot of people say that he became Metatron, who then became, became like the, the leader of the archangels, which is interesting because in in all mythologies, and I, and I talk about like our comic books and Star Wars and heroes, you have the outsider becoming the insider and then somehow leading the people who were there all along, which is really not usually how it ends. I mean, even in like Avatar, uh, Jake Scully or whatever his name was, you know, the the corporal in the U.S. Marines, you know, then becomes the leader. Or like, uh, or like, or like Paul Atreides and Duke. Exactly right. Exactly, they become the leaders. I mean, this is this is a a, re- a recurring theme, and I, I had a guest on a couple 
probably a couple months ago at this point, Professor Robert Temple, and he, he basically, it was more about physics and, and space matter, and then the basically dark matter is plasma, and that there's two plasma clouds, basically equidistance between the sun and the earth uh, on, on two different lower sort of Lagrange points, and they're huge, and one is Metatron. And I said, is that Enoch? He says, no, Enoch was ab- was absorbed into Metatron, and and so... It's sort of like the 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 Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that they sort of it's it, it's part and parcel, but not one and the same. O- only to say that you know, and then Enoch is you know you know is so such a big figure that the, you, that people refer to the the angelic language as Enochian, um, or at least some people do. Only to say that Enoch, you know, no one's exactly sure who or what happened to Enoch and who are sure what there, but the people who are sure. They don't agree. They're all on different pages. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, but of course it's entirely consistent with either of those that Enoch either directly or, or you know, through other messengers, which is, I think, what angel means, messengers, um, gave this information to Abraham. So I, I just find the whole thing fascinating there. Um, but there's something you mentioned almost in passing that you followed Hermeticism. And I have a show on Hermeticism, but if you could just give a briefing on what Hermeticism and then the uh, the Order of the Golden Dawn, what, what those uh, schools of thought are. Well, uh, to understand that, the first thing that you, that you need to understand when engaging in um, Golden Dawn or, or any of the mystery religions, any of the myst- mystery uh um, religion is the wrong word, uh, disciplines, is that um, from the beginning, if you go back far enough, science and mysticism were one and the same thing. Um, they only divided when uh, mysticism became religion, became doctrine. Um, and, the, and, the, and the only difference, besides their language, is that um, mysticism um, does not hesitate to venture a guess as to what is on the other side of the Big Bang. What is what is the cause of the first cause? Right. And science, um, by using a more precise language, mathematics, uh, stops at that point. Is un- unable as, uh, to go beyond that point. They, they say as yet, but. Um, I don't see how. Um, I don't. I don't believe they ever will. They'll get, uh, and, and that—that's pretty much the basis where you start the study of of uh, magic. And and what and I, I mean, I guess if you could put Hermeticism and the Order of the Golden Dawn into you know three or four sentences each, what would what would how would you describe them? Um, Hermeticism would be the a different interpretation of past literature, past doctrine. Um, a more liberal interpretation of past doctrine. And uh, the Golden Dawn, I would say, would be the study from that standpoint of all the world's religions and uh, uh, doctrines. Okay. What we might call today... Comparative mythology, uh, you know, or practical. Com- 
comparative religion, yeah. yeah comparative and, or practical comparative religion. Uh, you, you cited Aleister Crowley quite a bit, and Aleister Crowley, you know, depending on who you're listening to, ha- has different raps. But I think to the general pop populace, magic, dark magic, Satanism, uh, or Luciferianism, and that that isn't really exactly what he was about, but... Uh, uh, you know, and, and to, uh, you know, people involved in uh, alternate, you know, or less uh, common religions, Wicca, uh, magic, whatnot. Aleister Crowley is more, you know, he's, he's, he's a more revered figure. What, what's your take on Aleister Crowley? Well, I, I can, I can um, give you my take on Aleister Crowley by telling you that, uh, by, by talking about the beginning of his career with the Golden Dawn. Sure. Um, when he, was initiated into the Golden Dawn. Uh, he was given two teachers that were that were going to impart the the, the secret wisdom to him in, in gradual steps. Uh, his first teacher was Alan Bennett, and uh, his second teacher was uh, George Cecil Jones. They were both analytical chemists, and uh, one of them subscribed to the to the to the definition of magic as being uh, the bringing about change in conformity with one's will. That was George Cecil Jones. Alan Bennett, who later became a Buddhist monk, um, um, subscribed to the notion that the the will or, or the self was actually non-existent. And it was the surrender to the universal cause and effect stream that brought about liberation and not the other way around. Um, that's basically what I think of Crowley. He, he, when, when they split up, when the, when Golden Dawn fell apart, he partnered with, um, George Cecil Jones in forming the AA. And, um, that was, uh, that was his choice. He, he, he rejected. He reached the point that wall where you have where you have to surrender your will, your concept of self, by realizing that cause and effect is absolute. It's not. Um, it's not partial. It's not um, limited. It's completely unlimited. The the power of cause and effect dictates everything that happens, including human thought. If you accept that, the next step is you realize that the self is non-existent, which is a completely Buddhist thought. Indeed, yeah. And it seemed like uh, that's similar to what your version of, of Yeshua was teaching. Yeshua being the, the Hebrew version of Jesus and the English version really being Joshua, but most people say Jesus, so we'll stick with Jesus going forward just because that's everyone will know who or what we're talking about. Yeah, well, I'm prejudiced. Yes, and that's okay. Um, but your your version of Jesus was definitely about, you know, no matter what you think you're doing, it's, it's, it's God's will. So even if you think you have free will, you really don't. Everything is part of God's will. But but it seemed to me that that was a little bit of an irony because you know everything in the book was was sort of you know, all the characters around him or most were sort of doing their own things and they weren't all towards one cause which if if we're to believe that that Jesus was the Son of God 
you know, unless God's will is is to, you know, keep chaos alive, um, it, it wouldn't seem to be the case. And you, the the last line in, in one of your chapters, it might be the last line in the book, in the, in the first book itself, was, how does the sword cut itself? There is no sword. And, and for the life of me, I, I'm still not sure that I, I exactly understand what you mean. So what do you mean by that line? Well, um, it, it's been said that the, that the, uh, the illusion or veil of mind is caused by mind, and you have to use the mind to unravel the, this Gordian knot. Um, when the truth is that unraveling that Gordian knot is the trap itself, the desire to unravel that knot, because there is no knot. There is no confusion. There is no... Uh, uh, problem to be solved so why are people uh, not why are so many people who are so devoutly involved in their religions maybe they're just the loudest voices i don't know but they seem to be so angry about things all the time so so angry about things like why is it that the the people who most loudly proclaim their religious beliefs seem to think that god is incapable of steering the ship on his or her own i think it's fear Fear, fear of, of confronting your own mort- mortality. Um, I, I am not in control. I never have been in control. This life is not about me. Creation is not for my benefit. Uh, I'm, all, I'm a cog in the wheel of creation. I'm part of God's dream, if you want to be poetic about it. Uh, the dream is not for me. The dream is for God. Yeah. All right. So instead of me sort of breaking down the, the basic plot of your book, since the author's here, what, what, and this is the, the fictional half. Well, while I let you sort of break down sort of the highlights of, of what the book is, obviously you don't want to give away too much because, you know, we want to sell some copies. Um, but which, by the way, I recommend. I, I enjoyed it. Um, why don't you sort of give us an overview as, as to the book and sort of the, some, you know, the plot line, basically? Add some adrenaline to your summer and take the family to Pocono Raceway. For the Explorer the Pocono Mountains 225 NASCAR Xfinity Series race on July 22nd. From the thrill of the track to fun for fans of all ages. Don't miss out on all the high-octane action July 21st through the 23rd. Get your tickets at PoconoRaceway.com. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Well, uh, the, the, we've already talked about the inspiration of it, um, but the the structure of it was the uh, the story of Krishnamurti, who was uh, groomed from his birth to uh, carry on the work of of uh, uh, a certain society that his parents were a part of, um, theosophy, and uh, he rejected it and went his own way. 
uh, because he's, his path of liberation led somewhere else. I'm not saying that that philosophy that he left was wrong because there's nothing wrong. Everything is a, everything is a wrong in the ladder of enlightenment. But uh, uh, he went another way, and so did Yeshua. And um, as, as I said previously, um, his philosophy that he developed um, it mirrors mine because I'm, I'm the author and I'm prejudiced. Sure. Right. I mean, every author is going to write something that has some of them themselves in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the main characters, there's obviously the Jesus figure. Um, his parents don't play much of a role in it, uh, at least directly. Um, not without giving away too much, it, you know, the, the, Virginal birth part was, you know, was part of a, a, a con and, and there were reasons to keep that going. Um, and it was led by a, a guy named Menachem. Um, and people in the book thought he was uh, reincarnation. His follower is the reincarnation of, of the angel Gabriel. Um, it's never really addressed whether he is or wasn't he, whether he was or wasn't, but he he was old at the beginning of the book, and he was old at the end of the book. So uh, you know he had a he he seems to have had at least one of those Old Testament early Genesis life lifeline. So maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. He also seemed to be in league with other uh, factions, but also some of the factions were only partly in league with him, and some of them were actually working against him. I mean, it was, it was like regular politics. It was like it was like. Game of Thrones, except Game of Crown of Thrones or Th- Crown of Thorns, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and at some point during his youth, they they sent uh, baby Jesus or young Jesus to Egypt to study with a man named Tresmegistus. Not not the same Tresmegistus, um, but uh, but he and and you clearly reference that the inspiration of his name came from another. So that that. That that was not uh, hypothetical, but I really liked him. Like I wanted to, I wanted to learn more about uh, Jesus's time with Tresmegistus. Um, I liked him too. Yeah, he, well, he was likable. Even at the end, I wanted him to come to make an appearance. He was wise, but he was humble in his in his wisdom. Yeah, he was, um, and then sort of. But most of the book spends time on Jesus and his interaction with what became his apostles. And part of the fun was, is is that you took what was probably their actual names, and as they morphed from their own languages into maybe a Hebrew to more of a, a Latin or Greek name. So someone became James, uh, someone became. Saul, and then they became Paul, and you know, you some of the, some of them are easy. Like you know, I, I could I could figure who Matthew was right away, um, but you know, Judas it took me a while, um, and you know, Simon was sort of easy to figure out. But uh, you know, I don't know. So it's it's hard to say take us through the book without taking us through too much of the book. But uh, what, what were you trying to impart? Were you just trying to give a plausible? alternate theory about what happened during that time and and maybe just to say you know come up with your own story or accept this or don't accept this i'm i'm writing it as fiction but 
you know, is is this more likely than there actually was, you know, a, a virginal birth and a son of God? Um, well, for one thing, I don't believe in miracles because God doesn't make mistakes, so he doesn't have to make corrections. Um, cause and effect is, is the rule of creation. And um, everything that is happening now was inherent in in the beginning, in the first vibration of the Big Bang, or or the the tetragrammaton, the four the four letters of God's name, which we can touch on in a little bit. Yes, very interesting. But um, it, um, we know nothing about the disciples or Jesus apart from what Saul of Tarsus wrote. The, um, the entire New Testament is his work or uh, uh, inspired by his work. Um, the, the, the first book of the Bible, uh, Mark, uh, was written approximately 40 years after the crucifixion. And um, scholars believe that it was written by a Jewish, or excuse me, a Greek scribe um, under under the employment of somebody, probably some local church that wanted to take the the word of mouth that they'd received from Paul and 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 get a written copy of it, of uh, a scripture of their own, um, because up up until that point it was all just word of mouth and. There were so many versions that were written because of this word of mouth. Um, I've got a, uh, a video on YouTube that is kind of an introduction to the book. And uh, it's it states that, do you remember the game where you have a circle of people and you whisper to the person on your left and it goes around the circle and when it comes back to you, it's completely different. Operator. And um, I think that that is that is what happened to uh, Saul's or or, or uh, Paul's uh, original concept. He had this this idea of forming all of this, taking all of this energy and directing it somewhere. And I believe that that he either had. Uh, political ambitions, or uh, or completely deluded himself, uh, because uh, he took all, all every aspect of paganism and twisted it to his own uh, his own ends, so that it worked. Uh, even going so far as to uh, manipulate or manipulate the translation of certain Jewish texts. Uh, for instance, when um, uh, the Old Testament—I I, I can't remember which book it is—that's one of the one of the detriments of being seventy-three years old. <laughs> you kind of lose you lose track of memory sometimes. But uh, in 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 this Old Testament book, it, it says that um, that uh, a young virgin will give birth, and this, of course, is uh, is supposed to be referring to the Messiah. Well, the the actual translation is a, a young maid, a young girl, will give birth. And um, 
Of course, it had to be a virgin because, you know, our God is at least as important as Caesar or uh, Hercules or Romulus and Remus, who were all uh, born of a virgin and a god. So we we have to appropriate that, that pagan concept and, and bring it in and, and, and make it our own. I think Mithras also, right? Wasn't Mithras born to a virgin and a god? Yes. Well, uh, almost any person of, of importance, even a human being of importance, uh, Caesar claimed to be uh, uh, born of uh, the god Mars. Um, so th- this concept that, that Paul had, uh, he ran with it even to the point of taking uh, Yeshua and giving him a Greek name, or not even a Greek name, a Greek word that means Savior. Um, and, and that is the name he was born with. He was born with the name Jesus. So that here's this, this little Hebrew baby that is christened, christened by his Hebrew mother and father with a Greek word that means Savior. A complete fabrication. Obviously a complete fabrication. Um, it, it's, it sounds like when I get onto this subject that I'm anti-Christian and I'm not. Uh, uh, in today's society, we're seeing the, the, the effects of uh, taking the concept of God and pushing it aside. Um, there was, some, someone said to me that, that uh, so what you want to do is have a leash on someone so that when they're afraid to do a certain act, they perceive that as virtue. And so what is actually the good from that? Are they actually doing good or are they actually afraid of following their own um, their own path? And my response to that was, um, some people need the leash. We still need the leash. And if we take a look around at our society, we see evidence of that abundantly. Yeah, oh, we do. We absolutely do. And I, I, I don't... The word leash is, is good, but I, you know, I, I, I've said it before a million times in, I just used the word, we, we need an editor, which I, I guess is a little bit more, uh, a little tamer, a little bit more civilized than the same leash, but it's the same concept. Let's get into some of the other things, uh, especially with the, the Kabbalah and math. And, and we could just, we, we're certainly going to get into the, the letters, the, of God, but you indicated that, in Kabbalah and in math, God's number is zero. I have seen God's number as seven. Is is one Kabbalah, one not, or does God occupy both? What what's what's the basis for zero? What's the basis for seven? If you know it, and what's what's the distinction, if any? Well, the basis for seven is um, of pertaining to the tree of life, and um, the. The very uh, apex of the tree of life, the, the very point that is attainable by, by a human, is right at the edge of the abyss. And that that abyss, which separates the top three, uh, uh, Chokma, Banan, and, and uh, uh, Kether, are um, when, you, when you get beyond the human form. So the, the epitome of 
God in man is the number seven. Um, and, and that's uh, uh, indicative, like, like the number of the number of man is six. Now to create number seven, you have to go through an apotheosis, a change. Um, where the uh, in Christian terminology, when when the old man dies, the new man is born. Um, this change prepares you for the abyss of, of being able to surrender uh, the concept of self and not be destroyed by it. Um, the problem with back to the leash, um, taking away that. Uh, by the way, I use that word leash because that's the person I was talking to used it, so I appropriated it from her. The, um, the leash, when you take away the leash, that person is faced with um, a misconception of Crowley's uh, proclamation from the Book of the Law. Um, Do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. They interpret that as, I am God. I make the decisions. I am the doer of my of my deeds. I am the thinker of my thoughts. Um, the problem with that is eventually you're going to realize that that you're not going to get your way. Sometimes you do, and that's great. But the flow of cause and effect in the universe has its own um, pre uh, not prerequisites um, has its own. Um, goals, which we know nothing about. And sometimes our goals correspond to the flow of cause and effect, and we think we're getting our way. I've done that. I've, I've accomplished that. Now, when you're faced with, when you take religion out of a person's uh, mental state, they're faced with the fact that um, eventually, if they're lucky, they're faced with the fact of knowing that I am not in control, but nothing is in control. Now, there's a Hindu um, out of the Bhagavad Gita that says that um, lust arises. And I'm talking about the desire for anything. Right. It's a desire for ego satisfaction. It's not... not uh, uh, particularly sexual, although that could be an aspect of it. Lust arises, and from lust, anger develops. And anger promotes illusion. Now this lust, we have a desire. Uh, we want to continue. Uh, when we die, I want a heaven. Or I want to be reincarnated. I don't want to end. And um, when people are faced with that, their lust is is denied, and anger develops. And this anger is the root of um, most people who have that leash taken away. They they I I don't need a I don't need a god to be moral. Uh, well, no, you don't. But you have you have to realize that you're subject to the, the whims of cause and effect that are going to determine your morals as you move forward. And if you don't have a moral anchor, um, I just I just saw a thing on YouTube with Ricky Gervais, I 
I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's a comedian. Right. The guy who made The Office. But yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But he, he's talking to this this girl, who, and he's talking about um, death being the absolute end. You know, that there is, there is nothing beyond death. And she says, well, then why can't you just go out and rape and murder all you want if there's no consequences? And his response was, I do go out and rape and murder all I want, which is not at all. I don't want to at all, so I don't. Right. And she said, well, if, it, if everything is just going to end, then there's no point. And he said, well, let me, let me ask you this. If, if you are watching a movie and somebody comes in and says, you know, that movie's going to end, do you say, oh, yeah, you're right, shut it off? Right, you guys, you want to see the, the whole... You, you want to see the movie. Right. But not always. Um, <laughs> but not all. yeah, right. I'm well, talking about Avatar Way of the Water, right, in, in my most <laughs> recent memory, yeah. Or The Little Mermaid. Uh, well, I didn't see that, so I, I couldn't speak on I it. I did. I did. It's, uh, I, it was okay, except for the musical numbers. I mean, I, I saw it on you know the, the original cartoon, and that's that's enough for me. I don't need you know. I, I'm I'm all yeah, set. Right. I, I don't think I was. I'm, I don't think I'm the audience for either the live action or the uh, or, or the original cartoon. Um, I, I don't know where that leads us in the conversation, but uh, to zero. Um, to zero. At zero. Thank you. Uh, it's always good to talk to a younger person because they have a better memory than you do. It's always good to talk to someone who calls me a younger person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we've got the, the, the number zero, but the, the apotheosis or changing the, the old man or the death of the old man and the birth of the new man is a changing from the number six to the number seven or that preparation to accept um, enlightenment, because that that desert, that wilderness that forms the prophets, is um, death to the self. It's confronting your own mortality and your own um, the truth that there is no self and everything is subject to cause and effect. So you, you you're really just an actor in a play, and people don't want to hear that. That that is not a welcome message, and so turning the six into seven, uh, called a, 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 a why I apply the term apotheosis to it. Uh, if you take a pentagram and the star of David, and you overlap them in the same circle, the same dimensions, what you have in the center is the design of a cup, and that is the mystery of baptism that is the the vehicle of turning six into seven. That's the connecting point. And that is the path of water, the, the uh, mystery of baptism, what it means. Oh, so Avatar Way of the Water has been invoked again. Yes. Not exactly, though. Um, you had, you had, it's interesting about zero because zero, I mean, actually is a placeholder for nothing. Um, but zero also, you put it in front of another number and it makes it smaller, maybe much, 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 much smaller. You put it behind another number and it makes it larger. It, it, it can enhance and diminish while in and of itself it has no value, which is, 
I, I mean, you could drive yourself mad just thinking about that concept all, all day long and probably for... You know, that's, very, that's a very profound statement. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. Uh, but I don't know where to go with it because, I mean, that, that, that to me is, is maybe where the concept that zero is God comes from because, well, it's like sort of all enhancing, all belittling, and at the same time, nothing. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> but, but that's sort of, that's sort of where it ends before I start to get a headache. Um, <laughs> well, that's where it should end because if you, if you shove your imagination through that barrier, um, because you can't actually see, but you can you can imagine and you can hypothesize. Um, you're going to come up with. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. Hey, hon, who, who's BJ? Who? You got a text from a BJ? He's coming over? Oh, that's just... Did I do something wrong? Slow down. It's BJ's Wholesale Club. I signed up for their same-day select service, so we get unlimited deliveries for a year and takes as little as two hours. Okay, great. <laughs> who's Tom? Give me my phone. Save 20% on same-day select delivery packages at BJ's Wholesale Club now through June 25th. Terms apply. Visit bj's.com slash same-day select for details. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. A face, you're going to come up with um, a golden calf in the middle of the desert. Right. You're going to come up with your vision of what God is. Right. And then the cow, uh, direct hearkening back to the old symbol of wealth and fertility and, you know, all of that. Uh, And and even still is, as asked John Dutton from Yellowstone, how much a cow is worth. But, uh, you know, he'll he'll tell you. Um, Okay. So, actually, I, I... you mentioned that if you put the star David and the pentagram on top of each other and you find the image of a chalice, who, who did that? Like, like who, who even thought to do that at some point to, to put them together and you come up, it like, was it purpose? Oh, you did really? So, so this is, well, that's very profound. That that's interesting. I've, I've never heard anyone say that they, you know, overlaid those images before. Of course, that's sort of, you know, sort of, the, the secret of every, you know, kid's mystery and, and other things is you, you look for secret messages. Well, I guess that's what Kabbalah is, is in Gematria is it's looking for secret messages. What size, what size t-shirt do you wear? Uh, 2XL. We're working to get back to XL, but 2XL. Okay. I'm, I'm going to send you a t-shirt that has that design. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I, I'm already, um, uh, it's already designed. I don't have to have the t-shirt printed. It's already printed. Um, so I'll, I'll get one off to you. Look at me getting a t-shirt and a book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, this show's paying for itself already. So let's let's move into what you mentioned before the 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 four letters of God and 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 how that how that came to be and the word you used to describe it, which I've already forgotten. Apotheosis? No, no, no. I know that apotheosis. Oh, I'll never forget because I read the last symbol by by Dan Brown. So the, 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 te- the tetragrammaton. Yes. Okay, that's the, the the tetragrammaton literally means the fourfold name of God. Um, now, re- remember the beginning of our conversation. We talked about um, uh, 
mysticism and science being one of the same thing mm -hmm. in the beginning. Right. Um, so Kabbalah actually approaches uh, the first five books of the Bible as lab notes. Um, there, there's no mystery to it. The, uh, for instance, the um, the story of Adam and Eve. Adam is is created by God, and you have the number one. Now, out of number one, he takes Eve, which is number two, and you now have two. That is a description of fission. That is a description of the Big Bang. He also says after that, now go forth and multiply. And boy, did they. <laughs> <laughs> so every aspect of the universe, or, or, or maybe even universes, I don't know, um, every particle in those universes and every thought stems from that original vision that and God said that first vibration of the Big Bang. Um, now, there there has to be, um, I, I, well, I don't know if there has to be, but the, the, the universe is built on duality, up, down, left, right, positive, negative. Uh, for every uh, uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It, it goes on and on and on. Um, that division, is the firmament. It, it's um, when God divided the waters from the waters, there was a firmament placed in the middle. Now, if you take a look at, at the name, it's uh, the first four the, the four letters of the Tetragrammaton, you have Yad He Vohe is the, the so you have two He letters. And both of those are feminine and both pertain to water. Um, Vo pertains to the wind, which is the, the element of Lucifer. So you have Lucifer as the dividing line between the waters above and the waters below. Um, also in, in, in Proverbs, you have the virtuous woman and the harlot. Uh, in, in Hermeticism, you have um, uh, the goddess and the whore. Those are those are uh, are divided perceptions of the world, and that perception is when the serpent in the garden says to Eve, "No, you will not surely die. You will become like God, knowing good from evil." In other words. You will, you will be immortal, and you will have free choice. That is the original lie that is, uh, that is given to us by Lucifer. Now, I, I don't believe that there was a physical garden. I don't believe there was a being called Lucifer. Um, Lucifer is a force of creation that is contained within that four-letter word of God. It's the it's the bow, the letter bow that divides the two, the waters above from the waters below. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned uh, in the in the that there's ten names of God, uh, Elohim, Adonai. I, I think Jehovah's probably in there somewhere. Yahweh. Um, 
what a couple things. One, what what are what are the if you have a list, if you can think about it, what are the ten names of God, and then the other, what what is your take on Elohim being more recently being popularized? The, the perception that Elohim is a plural, not a singular. Elohim is a plural, but but uh, so are all of the names uh, because they have the 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 tree. The, these are all God names attributed to the different uh, sephra of of the tree of life. There's, there's ten sephra on the tree. There's ten names of God. Um, these are perceptions, human perceptions, that you acquire, leave off and acquire new ones as you climb the tree of life. Um, now, the, the, the one that I'm uh, most attracted to is Ehiyeh, which um, translated means I am. Um, that is the um, the one that communicated supposedly with Moses from the um, from the burning bush. The burning bush, of course, was his vision of the tree of life. Um, the word ehie, uh well, that means I am, but the full name is ehie eh, ehie, or I am that I am, and. Uh, that is, that is usually perceived to be um, God's real name. But at, at God's real name is uh, a description. And that description is Ainsaw, which is the limitless light of the void or nothingness. Um, in, in the Hebrew religion, in the Jewish religion, when the rabbi reads from the Torah or the Tanakh, he when he reaches one of the names of God, he pauses and leaves a moment of silence there before he moves on. That's because the real name of God is unknown. And the name, one of the ten names that are written down in the Tanakh and the, the Torah throughout the Old Testament uh, are just descriptions of the of um, the apparent human perception attributes that we've assigned to uh, the creative force and not God itself. So is that why you can't look upon the God, the face of God, not because it'll burn, just because it's impossible? No, it's not impossible. To, to look upon the face of God is, is stepping into the abyss. The, to look on the face of God is, is to go into that wilderness that forms the prophets. It's confronting your own mortality and the complete, absolute sovereignty of cause and effect, or the, or, or as it's been referred to as the hand of God or the will of God, which is that is cause and effect. Um, to confront that is the death of self. So that's absolutely true. You see the face of God, you die. Is that why so many heroes, uh, and including gods, have made the venture into the underworld and come back? It could be. I never, I never thought of it that way. Um, I'm not very uh, versant in uh, the Greek uh, or, or the Egyptian pantheons and, and, and their, their view of the cosmos. 
Uh, well, they all did. I mean, they all have one that does. I mean, Hercules went in there. I think Osiris. Uh, we had uh, Inanna in in the I think Babylonian or maybe Sumerian. I'm not sure sure which. I get them confused. But there's always you know wasn't it in, in the Aeneid? Didn't Aeneas go to the underworld uh, and come back? Uh, uh, well, it's it, it, they, they hint at it in in the story of. Uh, um, uh, a thesis in the, in the Minotaur as well. Mm-hmm. When he ventures into the maze, um, he needed that that golden thread. I, I think I wrote about this in the book. Um, he needs that golden thread to find his way back out of the maze. Otherwise, he would just wander around in there until he died. Yeah. And Odin hung on a tree for nine days, uh, you know, and uh, and also his uh, his wife went down to the to, to hell to talk to hell about getting her you know how to how to get her son baldar out of hell so there's there's two in norse at least um there was another Osiris one Osiris was was killed yep and and brought back to life by isis and of course jesus yeah, he was caught up in like fourteen poisons, and then there's of course Jesus, who uh, three days later resurrected. I mean, his his visit to the underworld as well. I mean, might have been stepping in, into the void uh, uh, as well. I mean, listen, I I'm only putting this together after talking to you, so. I, you know. No, I I think you're absolutely right. The parallels are there, um, and it, it it's amazing how this concept makes it into popular culture. Uh, to, you remember the original, um, the day the Earth stood still with Michael Rennie? I do remember it, sure. Uh, if you think about that, that that is the story of the gospel. The, this man comes down from the sky to give us a message to save us. He's eventually killed, rises from the dead, gives his message, and ascends back into heaven. It's it's the story of Jesus that's adopted to Hollywood. Except the robot wasn't named Metatron. I think it was named Zorn or something like that. Uh, Gort. Gort. Right. I knew it was something short. Yeah. Um, right. You made reference to a Kabbalistic Bible. Is there is there a name for the Kabbalistic Bible? No, there 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 is no uh, official Kabbalistic Bible. Okay. It's made up of, of different books: the Zohar, uh, the Sefer Yetzirah. Um, the Sefer Ratzil. Uh, there's a few others that are that are embraced by Kabbalists. And when you mentioned the Old Testament, you said the five books. Now, listen, I am not. I was not brought up to be particularly religious. That that is mostly of my own doing. I was sent to religious school and to things like that, but I just didn't pay attention. I wasn't interested. So I'm basically a, a child in, in my learning at this point. Um, but I would, but I believe isn't the the Old Testament to at least Jews the four books of Moses? No, there were five. There were five. Okay. Um, all right. And then I know that the you know when people talked about the Septuagint, uh, I thought it was seven books. No, it's not seven books. It's it's because it took seventy people to write it. Something something like that. Um, but there are more books in that. Is is that anything that we need to touch on here? I, I don't think so. That the, the the Hebrew Bible itself wasn't uh, was still in debate during the times of uh, during the time of Jesus. Um, the Hebrew canon wasn't decided on until years after that. Um, and, and of course, it, 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 that's true of, of the uh, 
uh, the Christian um, faith as well. The, uh, the, there were many, many books. The Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Uh, um, and, and these were all eventually eliminated. And the predominant qualification for being accepted was to recognize Jesus as God. Right. Uh, if if you if you portrayed him as human, then the book was gone. And uh, uh, certain during certain periods, if you were still around, then you were gone too. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm, where some pigs are more equal than others. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Jesus had twelve disciples, and you know, maybe a girlfriend, maybe not a girlfriend. Um, but uh, only four of the books made it in, and th and those books on top of that were translated, retranslated, perhaps censored along the way, almost certainly censored along the way. And uh, I've had Reverend Jim Willis on the show a bunch of times, but the first time he was talking about his book, Censoring God, which you know doesn't start with the with the the, the New Testament by any means. Um, but it's it's very interesting read. He's a great guy. Um, you, uh, you you made some mention in and I, I listen I, I don't know what the significance of this but I'm sure there is some because our friend Menachem he he was said to be the reincarnation of Gabriel or at least his his his, his followers did probably came from him or, or at least he did nothing to dissuade them um, you mentioned uh, something about Crowley with Raphael and Raphael and Gabriel are two of the more famous archangels um, and then there was something about Crowley, Crowley's number being 777, which is three times the number of God, which, of course, is I've seen necklaces with 7777. Uh, obviously, I know that the, the number of the beast is said to be 666. My understanding is that that might be from Gematria. It might be a mistranslation. It was actually 616. I, can, can you shed any light on any of this? And what does it have to do with Crowley, uh, Gabriel, and or Raphael? Well, Crowley um, and his fixation with 666 was the fault of his mother, who was uh, uh, a member of the Plymouth Brethren, uh, a very, very strict Christian denomination in Britain at the time. And uh, she observed his irreverence and his doubts uh, about the religion that he was brought up in, and ultimate rejection of it. Uh, as the signs that he was the devil. She's the one that gave him the title, The Beast, 666. And um, he embraced it and, and, and ran with it. Um, it. It's ironic that, that he really didn't believe in the typical God or, or the devil but uh, em embraced that as a sign of his rebellion. He was a very, very rebellious person. Um, the, the, the number 777 is, uh, is, and this is debated too, some, some people see the, uh, the number of God as is, is five, uh, or six, or seven. <laughs> um, a 777 is the number of the Shekinah, which is uh, the spirit of God in man, or the spirit of life, or that spark within us that keeps us curious, that, that keeps drawing us forward. And um, 
but not but not the Lucifer wind, not not the Lucifer ten, but not the Lucifer wind, not the Lucifer temptation. No, no, six 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 draws you in another direction. Okay, maybe that's why it's so easy to get confused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the back again to that facing of uh, uh, standing at the edge of the abyss, the abyss, and realizing the uh, the truth that enlightens. Whether the seeds that have been planted in you prepare you to accept that. Uh, are are classified in as seven seven seven, the seeds that that uh, planted in you that would lead to your rejection of that are classified as six six six. There again, we have the the number of man or the pentagram uh, of five transversing to six. I think that may be the the uh, the reason that. Uh, some people see the number of man as five because the number of the pentagram. Could be. Yeah. And, and the number of six uh, being the, the star of David uh, is is supposed to be, in that instance, the number of God. And it's, it's ironic that the uh, if you if you take a look at um, the points on the stars, you've got five and six instead of six and seven. So I, I can I can I can see that there's basis for confusion. And between the two, you get eleven. Wow. And also, the the uh, the Jewish star essentially is Star David, as you're just pushing, you know, the 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 chalice and the blade into one. Uh, you know, if you go by Dan Brown, um, and but it also seems like if you go by the well, the Hermetic principle, which is not limited to you know Hermeticism, but as above, so below, you just push them together into one. You get the Star David. Uh, it's funny that you add six and, uh, five and six when you come up with 11. Um, in Crowley's work of 777, which he corresponds, Demutria is the study of number and, and what number indicates. And in the back of the book of 777, you have a, a dictionary of, of numbers attached to their meaning that was written by Crowley. Um, he added to it and used it all of his life. And uh, the number 11 is the number of magical expansion. Ah. So you've got you know, five, and, five and six added together is magical expansion or apotheosis again. Okay, so there we go. So that's, 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 it, you know, the, the numbers add up. It's all, it's all balance, right? Yeah, they're the great mathematician in the sky. Right. Well, I mean, math is the language of the universe, isn't it? Uh. It is because we, we, uh... Hey, hon, who, who's BJ? Who? You got a text from a BJ? He's coming over? Oh, that's just... Did I do something wrong? Slow down. It's BJ's Wholesale Club. I signed up for their same-day select service, so we get unlimited deliveries for a year and takes as little as two hours. Okay, great. Who's Tom? Give me my phone. Save 20% on same-day select delivery packages at BJ's Wholesale Club now through June 25th. Terms apply. Visit bj's.com slash same-day select for details. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. We lack any other. 
but it has its limitations, which is zero. There, there's zero again. Well, yeah, and that uh, I guess that's how. I, well, that's probably the the conversation ender for you know religion versus science. Go, well, you, except your limitation is zero, and we've answered zero. I I prefer science over mysticism because mysticism can lead you literally anywhere, anywhere your imagination wants to go. You, you say you know, God is a giant turtle that has the universe on its or, or the universe on its back and it's crawling across the face of, of that was actually a belief of, of some people oh, yeah. in our antiquity. Yeah. Um, you, you can you can project yourself beyond that veil of zero and manufacture any kind of God or cosmology. And that is a dangerous way to go. So I, I Again, mysticism is one of the rungs on, on the ladder, uh, along with other religions or other disciplines. I like the word discipline better than religion, although they supposed to supposed to mean the same thing, but they don't. I guess it depends uh, which discipline you choose. I mean, you know, just like what religion you choose. I mean, yeah, the, with religion and philosophy, they're they're you know often two ways of saying the same thing, except with religion, there's, you know, there's some supreme deity involved. Not all philosophies involve that, though plenty do. Um, so, I don't know. These are also things that people can probably debate forever with, without being able to answer the, the great questions. Um, I feel like there must be th things that I should have asked you that I didn't, or things that you wanted to uh, mention that, that our conversation didn't lead to. So this is, this is sort of your open mic portion. Okay. Um, then I would I would suggest to, to anyone listening, especially people who believe that they're atheists, um, what you're rejecting in your atheism is a concept of God that was forced upon you, um, uh, either by your your own limited exploration of facts or uh, a religion. Of, of some kind or another. Um, I would say to you that, that there is a God, because what God is, is that which is just over the horizon. And it's it's perpetually over the horizon, because the, as we move towards it, the horizon moves. And um, uh, don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, look for God, but don't attach your own expectations to what you're looking for. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, folks. Where, where can where can people buy the book? Who do men say that I am? Uh, and the one tree. Where I assume it's for sale. That there's a there's a there's the a price and a bar scan. I have the international uh, SBN number on the back. So where can they find your book and easily buy it? You can uh, get it on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Walmart. Uh, pretty much anywhere that you can buy a book. Thrift Books is the best place to, bet, to get it because they have the best price. Ah, well. All right. Have you written any other books, is, or is this your, your one and only? Uh, this is actually my second book. The, the first one was uh, um, called the, uh, the Secret Doctrine of Water, which gets more in-depth into the path of water and was uh, originally just meant for 
my students as a, as a reference book. Um, I'm working on a, a novel right now, which is completely fiction. Um, it, it's a, um, taking these Kabbalistic concepts and applying them to the life of Merlin. And uh, it's complete fiction. And uh, I'm about half finished with that. Ah, well, that sounds fascinating. Well, I hope you go back to the the, the first half of, of this book and and uh, ex- expand upon that universe, even if the beginning and the end are the same, just a bigger middle. I, 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 there's there's something there. There's there's something there. Um, anyway, uh, how can people otherwise uh, support you or find you if you want to be supported or found? Uh, well, I'm doing a series of. Um not lectures, but, but conversations on YouTube. Um, the, the channel is uh, Common Sense Spirituality. Uh, there is a, a, a video on there now that is just an introduction to the book and the philosophy. Um, you, can, you can get there by my name, Rex Bundy, or uh, Common Sense Spirituality. Um, uh, you can kind of, if, if you don't want to get into something as public as a YouTube channel, you can email me directly. The, the email is on the back of the of the book. Uh, can, can I state the, the email here? It's, it's your email, my friend, so if you're willing to put okay. it here, sure. Um, if, if you have questions, comments, um, my email is temple777 at hotmail.com. Well, there you go, 777 and again. I, I welcome comments, but I encourage challenges and questions. Because if you believe anything that I or anyone else says without proving it to yourself, then you're a fool and you deserve what you get. So keep that in mind. You know, usually this is where I end the show, but it occurs to me that why am I not asking some of the questions I ask of, of others? And I'd be, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't ask. So what, what, what is your take on the, your creation story and revelations uh, as as an endpoint. I know those are very large questions, but do you do you, do you believe in the Messiah coming back and ruling for a thousand years, and then there being a second war with a with you know the hordes of hell and and undead versus the the righteous? I mean, is, what's what's your take on uh, creation, uh, end of days, and and sort of heaven and hell? Um, well, okay, my, my take is that there is no heaven and hell. Um, when you die, you're dead. But I do believe that during the death process, if, if you uh, look into Tibetan Buddhism, you look into the death process, um, that they have a, a, a series of events that they, that they call the bardo. And these are the states that the mind goes through as, as the mind and the body is dying. Um, one of those states uh, is judgment by the Lord of Death, and uh, where you actually go to heaven or hell. But um, that's it's temporary because eventually this consciousness fades into nothingness, and the spirit of, of God moves on. As it says in Ecclesiastes, uh, when you die, the earth returns to the earth where it came from. And the spirit returns to God, and the the self is not mentioned there because the self does not exist. It's manufactured at the moment of birth, and we 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 receive this information through our five senses, 
there we get with the, the, the symbolism of the pentagram again. Right. These five senses um, focus on the on the middle, uh, the, the mind of the child. We're taught who we are. We're, we're, we're taught our name. Uh, we're taught what to believe. We're also taught Lucifer's lie that, that everything that we choose is a product of free will, and we choose it. Um, referring to the book, when, when, when Simon expressed his doubts about free will and cause and effect to Yeshua, uh, Yeshua took two stones and put them behind his back, and then, or, or a stone, excuse me, and he brought out his fist and he says, choose A or B. And uh, Simon chose one and he opened his hand and it was empty. So Jesus put his hands back there and brought it out again. He says, okay, that was wrong. Try again. So he, Simon chose the other one. He opened up his hand and it was empty. Then he opened up both hands and they were both empty. And he stood aside and, and showed him the stone on the ground. And he said, the answer was C. And of course, in Simon's mind, he's probably said, you, you never said anything about a C option. Well, that's it. We're never aware of the C option until we're confronted with it. There is no sword. So to me, there is no sword. Right. All right. Um, do you believe in the, is there a devil and are there angels and demons? There are angels and demons, but these are thought forms generated by ego. Um, they, um, it, it's it's said when you, uh, it's said by Jesus that when you lust after a woman, it's as if you as if you did the deed. Um, you, you might lust after a woman and then um, uh, stop the thought, or or kill a man and and stop the thought, and so no sin was committed. But the, the sin is not in the doing. The the, the well, sin is a wrong word because I don't believe in sin. But the um, um, the seed that you're planting is uh, the seed of, of thought, which comes from the ripened seed that has been planted prior to that. You know, it's a, it's a chain. And this thought that you're putting out into the universe has an effect uh, the the action, action has an effect as well, but the act, the action is has a limited effect. And if nobody sees him kill the man, then essentially he's gotten away with it, or so he thinks. Right. The the repercussions are of the that, that's why Buddha said that 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 the self does not transmigrate. The self does not move on. What does move on are are our thoughts, words, and deeds, because those contribute to the stream of cause and effect. By our thoughts, words, and deeds, we create the world for future generations. Okay, last and question. I'm sorry, finish, finish your thought, please. No, I, I think I did. I hope I answered your question. Well, the answer to my question is is the is the completion of your thought. I don't I you know, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, you know, so that's that. And last one, and same rules apply. There are no rules. It's whatever you what whatever you decide. But what what do you think the nephilim were or nephilim, however you pronounce it? Uh, that's that's a good question. 
the, the Nephilim uh, could be interpreted as demons. Uh, they could fallen angels. Uh, they could be interpreted as a previous race. Um, I, I don't think that I, I don't think that I have a um, a concept written in stone of what the Nephilim were, uh, because they're basically okay. You can study Kabbalah your whole life, and you just picked up a grain of sand off the beach. But it said, I think Crowley said it was that um, um, Kabbalah cre- uh, exposes the infinity of possibilities. And you can literally go anywhere with the concepts of Kabbalah. Now, that, that being said, um, you lost my train of thought. Um, the Nephilim, or, or these, these um, negative thoughts, um, earthly thoughts, uh, after all, that, that's what a demon is. Uh, Lucifer uh, is not your enemy. Lucifer, the Nephilim, the fallen angels, the demons, they're, they're not your enemy. They're lessons. They're, they're seeds, past seeds that enter into your life. Um, so they're the part of you that you need to overcome, not ignore. No, you, you, you need to overcome nothing. You, you need, uh, Crowley said, you have no right but to do thy will. But you do have the responsibility of defining that will. Where do, where do those thoughts come from? What are the consequences of following through with those thoughts? That is the difference between an animal and a, a reasonable human being. Okay. So, all right. So the Nephilim, not, not exactly, uh, uh angels, uh, coming uh, and their, their offspring with human women. Uh, it's sort of maybe sort of a different kind of, uh, you know, sort of maybe demon mixed with human temptation together, but just a different form of temptation. My advice again, if, if you're going to get into these, uh, Kabbalistic concepts or, 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 or even the, the text of the Old Testament is to keep in mind the one first step of enlightenment, which is recognition and acceptance of the absolute, not partial, absolute sovereignty of cause and effect. Because if you use that as your baseline, you can go through these um, old lab notes of, of scientists from antiquity and you can decipher what they were trying to say. Um, in regards to the Nephilim, uh, I've heard, I've heard uh, um, concepts or, or theories that the Nephilim were a, a, another race, and, and they projected that, and they turned them into aliens who, uh, who came down and had, and had sex with um, uh, our cave women, uh, whatever, you know, Neanderthal would probably a little bit, a little bit past the Neanderthal stage since they were so ugly. But uh, uh, you can, you can, like I said, the Kabbalistic principles can lead you literally anywhere. But what what they led me to, you know, rightly or wrongly, is that first step 
of enlightenment, which is the complete sovereignty of cause and effect. If you, um, if there was a, a, a Hebrew Kabbalist rabbi in Poland, um, I, it, I can't remember his name, but he said, choose anything, but follow it to the source. If you do that, you will, you will come to the conclusion that the self is non-existent. So there, there is, there's no sin, there's no miracles, there is nothing but your experience. And the experience is not even for you. You get to watch the movie, you get, you get to experience this, but you have to constantly remind yourself of the source, that this is not for you. I am not for me. Okay, well, here's uh, here, my last two thoughts. They don't necessarily uh, necessitate a response, but to, to the Neanderthals, we were probably ugly. Uh, and then... <laughs> and, and, I'm sure they thought they were beautiful to each other. Right, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember the last gorilla who wanted to mate with a female human instead of a female gorilla. So, you know, I, it, it, yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, the other thing is... Yeah. After you finish your Merlin book, maybe you can do a, a fictional book on on the Phelan. That that's a you know two very popular subjects. So, um, and I would absolutely read that. Um, anyway, uh, I, we did go a little bit longer than I thought, just because I, I figured I have a, a, you here, and I should ask you those sort of giant questions. I, I shoehorn them in the in at the end, so bad on me. But I haven't I'm not really a professional. So there we go. Anyway, uh so we talked about where they can find you. You gave all your socials. Any lost last thoughts before we uh presumably you and I both need to take I know I do, but presumably both at this point need the bathroom breaks. <laughs> so especially at my age. Yeah mine too. Uh, I have I have to tell you Jeff that this, this was an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed every minute of it. And I hope the rest of your day goes well. Thank you so much, Anna. This is very interesting. I, I was uh, fascinating to me. I hope it was fascinating to the audience as well. Um, I'm sure it was. And thanks to our guests again. And thank you, everybody, for listening in on Garden of Doom. And, uh, you know, spread the word. Give us ratings, referrals. Take just a few minutes on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you can leave those five stars. But more importantly, refer the show to people who you think might enjoy because there's something for everyone here. You can pick up Rex's book as well and look for his new book on Merlin Cummings out maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll visit when that when that's out and you're doing that promotional tour uh in any event thanks again for listening and you'll hear from us next time in the garden of doom
Hey, hon, who, who's BJ? Who? You got a text from a BJ? He's coming over? Oh, that's just... Did I do something wrong? Slow down. It's BJ's Wholesale Club. I signed up for their same-day select service, so we get unlimited deliveries for a year and takes as little as two hours. Okay, great. <laughs> who's Tom? Give me my phone. Save 20% on same-day select delivery packages at BJ's Wholesale Club now through June 25th. Terms apply. Visit bj's.com slash same-day select for details. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demand of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on.